0: Good morning everyone. It's great to have you here with us this morning. This is the official kickoff of our fall season here at Moncton Wesley and we're hoping that you're going to stick around here after the service in our atrium for some Acadian poutine, right? And uh, some chili dogs, low carb, low fat. It's going to be great. Uh, So we hope that you'll join us. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward for our morning offering. Let's pray together. lord we worship you with our words and with our songs and we praise you with our money everything that we have is yours and these offerings are for the work of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven amen amen as the ushers are uh, passing out the offering buckets there let me just share with you a little bit about a ministry here at Moncton wesleyan Circle of Friends is an initiative that we started this year at our church that supports students and children and adults with special needs. Uh, At the very, very beginning of the summer, we launched our very first initiative, a buddy program that now supports 10 kids with uh, special needs right here at Moncton Wesleyan. Isn't that cool? We think that's great. That means that every Sunday, uh, buddy volunteers are offering themselves, offering themselves one-on-one support that really, we believe, makes a difference. But here's our reality. Currently, we actually have more kids with special needs than we have buddies. And so, if you're interested in becoming a buddy, myself or Julie A. Bear, we would love to talk to you. Let's talk about what volunteering as a buddy might actually look like. The newest uh, Circle of Friends initiative that we are working on uh, as a team is uh, a support group for parents and children and families that are affected by special needs. And so if you're here this morning, and that describes you and you're here, uh, we would love to get to know you. We would love to help you. Uh, On Monday, October the 19th at 7 o'clock in the Family Center, Uh, We're hosting a Circle of Friends rally. Of course, anyone here is welcome to come, but we would especially like to invite families that are affected by special needs and people who are actually interested in becoming a buddy as well. We'll have a time of worship. We're going to have some information. There'll be some networking, some different opportunities for you to learn, some different things about Circle of Friends. There'll be some testimonies and some stories. And we'll talk... And we'll dream together about what these two new initiatives will will look like. I think it's going to be great. I am uh, really quite passionate about this ministry. And we hope that you'll continue to support this important ministry, uh, Circle of Friends. All right, church. Let's uh, grab our Bibles this morning. And uh, let's open them up and uh, take a look at Luke chapter 19. This is uh, the third week of our series, Love My City. I'm guessing this morning that most of you have a bit of an idea of what a house deed is. Do you you know what a house deed is? Some of you? Just a raise of hand. Okay. Yeah, some of you do. If you're a homeowner this morning, I'm assuming that somewhere in a safe place, you have stored a document called a deed. A deed. A deed is a legal document that confirms that you bought your home from someone, and that you actually possess entitlement of your land and your home. Now, somewhere in that written document, that legal deed, a lot line to your property is clearly outlined. And those surveyed lines on that deed define the boundaries of what you can actually lay claim to, defines what you own and what you don't own. Now, if you have neighbors on either side, you know how important those lot lines actually are. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure that some of you, for example, you have hedges that you trim. Or, Or maybe it's trees that define these lines. Others of you have fences, wooden fences, maybe a metal fence. And those fences clearly define who mows where and where little doggies are allowed to squat and, and where kids are permitted to run and play. These lines, see, they outline what is yours and what is not yours. You've heard that saying before, good fences make good neighbors. That's right, good fences make good neighbors. And to a certain extent, this is true, isn't it? Because fences define Boundaries and for the most part. I think we're pretty glad about that. Are you with me this morning? You with me? Now let's take this practical backyard experience and Let's apply it now to our relationships with and our perceptions of people We'll come back to talking about lot lines in just a few moments. But for now, I want us to consider how we perceive the people around us. The people around us. And let me say, church, that this is is where our boundary-making can sometimes go bad. Because, see the moment that we create a boundary in our minds, a property line, if you will, it tends to define who's on one side of the line and who's on the other. Who's on the inside and who's on the outside. And friends, when this happens uncritically and even unconsciously, We begin to label people they are other they are not you they are them they are those people they are that kind you know what i'm talking about don't you and we see it in clicks and it's evident in stereotypes and in prejudices Yes, even in our churches. In countless ways, and ever so subtly, we learn early on in lo- in our lives to build fences, to withdraw, to criticize. And once this happens, we begin defining ourselves, not by who we are, but by who we are not. It's the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, 11 saying, God, I thank you that I am not like those people. Those robbers, those sinners, those adulterers, those tax collectors. Let me be honest this morning. Are we not prone to do the same thing sometimes? This is election time. We're not liberal. We're not conservative, evangelical. We're not Catholic. We're not French. We're not English. We're not a Baptist. We're not a drinker nor a smoker. You get the picture, don't you? Friends, we tend to build fences. We okay this morning? Just nod if you're with me. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go back for a minute now to legal deeds and property lines for a few minutes. In the next couple of weeks, God will pull an amusing stunt on all of us who are homeowners. You see, it's precisely at this time of the year in the fall especially in this beautiful land that we find ourselves in, that Creator God enables the leaves on the trees to turn absolutely dazzling colors. Is there a more beautiful place in the world than the Maritimes in the fall? I mean, really, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Winter, maybe not. But fall, I think we've got every place beat. Absolutely. And here's what God does. Inevitably, every year, God makes it so the leaves begin to fall from the trees, (laughs) right? And friends, let me ask, where do those leaves go? The neighbor's yard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, True enough. The upside is that the leaves from your great big tree... They go into your neighbor's yard, isn't it? But the kicker is that the leaves from the neighbor's towering maple tree, where do they end up? In your yard, that's right. It's as if God looks down at our feeble attempts to establish those property lines, and he says, okay, Tapper, how do you like those boundaries now? (laughs) This morning, as uh, we read the Bible, we're going to look at a story in which Jesus Uh, goes out of his way to demolish boundaries to break down property line property lines it's that well-known story of jesus encounter with a man named zacchaeus read along with me in luke chapter 19 starting in verse 1 i'm reading from the new living translation this morning jesus entered jericho and made his way through the town There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, and so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of abraham for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost i want to invite you this morning just close your eyes for a moment and i want you just for a few moments to picture jesus in your mind can you do that with me just for a second picture what jesus actually looks like and now from that vast index in your mind i want you to consider this question for a second how tall is jesus (laughs) how tall is jesus open your eyes and i'd love some feedback how tall is jesus have you ever thought of that before Six six feet all right how many of you have a six foot jesus any of you Awesome. Anybody have a six-foot-five Jesus? Only Will, I guess. Yeah. Some of you have a six-five Jesus. Any of you have a short Jesus? Okay, we got a few. That's good. Interesting. Yeah. seems obvious from this story that Zacchaeus was short. We know that from Luke chapter 19 as we read it. But how tall is Jesus? Verse 3 look at it, has been interpreted in most English Bibles, the NIV and the New Living Translation, as suggesting that Zacchaeus was short. He was the short little fella in this story. And traditionally, what we've done is we've taken that descriptor, he was too short in verse 3, to refer exclusively to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the wee little guy who was so short that he climbed a sycamore tree to get a good look at tall Jesus as he was ministering throughout Jericho. But interestingly, in the original language, the phrase, he was too short, could just as easily have applied to Jesus here and not Zacchaeus. How so? Follow along with me. For what it's worth, bear with me, here's how verse 3 literally reads in the greek and the nasv captures it zacchaeus was trying to see who jesus was comma but was unable because of the crowd comma for he was small in stature so the linguistic question i present to you today is this who is he Who is he? Is it Zacchaeus as we're traditionally interpreted, as we've traditionally interpreted? Or is it Jesus? Was Zacchaeus so short and and late to this Jesus rally that he had to wiggle his tiny little man frame up a tree? (laughs) Or was Jesus so short that late arriving big man Zacchaeus had to actually climb a tree just to get a good look at the tiny little rabbi at the front well either way you might find it interesting that there's nothing explicit here who helps us know who uh, that helps us know who shorty was in the text we simply can't know incidentally it may intrigue you to know that in the earliest days of the church some critics mocked the early Christian claim that Jesus was the Messiah, saying, among other things, that the Son of God couldn't have been that short. Well, uh, at any rate, this is the part of the message that you are probably thinking, and fair enough, really, Mike, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Does it really matter whether Jesus was six foot three or five foot one? What? What difference does it really, really make if Jesus was tall or short and low to the ground? Margot, Bandy, I hear you. And my response, to be blunt, is, honestly, it matters very little. (laughs) It does matter very little. But then, I also add that regardless, regardless of Jesus' physical stature, we cannot deny, at least principally, and in practice that jesus was willing to get low to the ground to meet people where they were at amen (laughs) amen take this zacchaeus story as a prime example look at the passage what does verse 2 the second part of verse 2 tell us about zacchaeus take a look there what do we know about zacchaeus feedback what do we learn about zacchaeus in the second part of verse 2 who was he what was his profession he was a tax collector and what uh, what does it say Uh, he was rich right he was rich he was a tax collector and he was rich and it says there that Zacchaeus wasn't just any tax collector he was the chief tax collector I mean this guy was the godfather of corruption and deceit he was the chief ripoff artist In town, Zacchaeus' church was a bottom feeder. But catch this, Jesus, low to the ground, meets a moral Zacchaeus, and what does he do? Verse 6 says, Jesus joins Zacchaeus for dinner at his house. Now let's remind ourselves this morning something about meal times in Jesus' day. In those days, people didn't eat three meals every day. They ate one. And it was always at the end of the day. And so rich people like Zacchaeus, they would open up their homes and welcome people in for a meal. And so rich people like Zacchaeus, they would open their homes to honored guests like politicians and educators and military people, popular people. See, when you invited someone over to your home, in essence, you were saying you're okay. You're on my side of the line you're an insider and so when Jesus says Zacchaeus let's go have dinner at your house there's lots more going on here culturally than a simple exchange of food by it Jesus is saying Zacchaeus when I eat with you I'm on your side of the property line. Now, I've got to be honest with you. This is the part of the story where my justice meter begins to kick in. Just, just a little bit. And and just like the crowd in verse 7, there's a part of me that wants to complain a little bit. (laughs) Jesus has gone To be his guest? (laughs) You've got to be kidding me It's like Jesus coming to Moncton and us expecting that he would hang out with amazing people like us But instead he hangs out Exclusively with people who wouldn't darken the doors of a beautiful celebration center like this why Does he do this? Why does he do this? I mean, doesn't he know how great we are? (laughs) And he's gone to be the guest of a person like Zacchaeus. But that's not the most perplexing part of the story for me. At the end of the meal with Zacchaeus, Jesus says in verse 9, catch it. Today, salvation has come to this house. Friends, we're not used to thinking about steps to salvation like this. I want you to think this through with me. Why is Jesus having dinner with people that you and I don't like? Jesus' habit is consistently to hang out with people on the outside of our boundaries. And by the way, why is it that Jesus is born in Bethlehem and not Jerusalem? And why does he appear to shepherds and not kings? And why is he raised in Nazareth? Doesn't he know that nothing good comes from Nazareth? And why does he keep telling weird stories about Samaritans in ditches and Gentiles getting hired late in the day with equal pay? And why does he allow germ-infested children to crawl all over him? And why is it that Jesus lets a sinful woman wash his feet? And why does he talk about throwing banquets and inviting poor people and people with special needs in? And while we're at it, why does he ride in on a donkey and not a horse? Doesn't he know that only poor people ride donkeys? Jesus is supposed to come and gather the faithful people of Israel, but instead he comes and pursues the lost of Israel. you see it, friends? In principle, Jesus is short and low to the ground. Look at Jesus' life in all of its totality. And we discover that Jesus Jesus didn't dabble with non-Christians as some sort of philanthropic experiment. Friends, we discover that this is where Jesus spent his whole life. And he wouldn't have it any other way. This is where Jesus lived. And friends, when we we realize this, we start to realize that that very same grace that was extended to Zacchaeus, is that very same grace that's extended to you and to me. And if that's true, it remains possible that the same grace that is extended to you and to me can extend to those whom we view in our minds as beyond the property lines. You with me this morning? And so, the question for you this morning is, who are those people for you? Who are they? Listen, I, I, I'm not asking you this morning to conjure up in your mind an image this morning of the most repulsive, uh, heinous criminal on your TV <laughs> or, or on your computer or a thousand kilometers away. We're talking about people in your life today who we see who we smell who we hear who we have contact with these are neighbors and jogging partners and roommates and contractor buddies and classmates they are the folks that we call them those people those kind Can I be honest with you this morning? I am pretty sure that our lives would be a whole lot easier if we just kept our distance and we disengaged and we disconnected. I mean, let's face it. It's it's easier that way, isn't it? It's a whole lot easier that way. It doesn't cost us as much to live that way. Our life is a whole lot easier And much more predictable when we reinforce those lot lines that we have. But, friends, God didn't create you and I to live that way, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old here this morning. God has called us, friends, regardless of our age. And regardless of our status, to move beyond the invisible boundaries that we erect, to take the time to invest in the lives of people who may not look or smell or talk or think like you and I. Is that calling easy? No. Do we blur the lines on sin? No. But as Christians, neither can we isolate ourselves from the world that we live in. And so we love our city and we love our world and we encourage others to do the very same thing. In essence, we're called to live our lives short and low to the ground. You, uh, you've been uh, gracious, attentive listeners this morning. I understand that a message like this is a little bit more tough. Uh, As I was preparing this week, uh, I had a moment of of crippling fear. I have to admit to you (laughs) this morning. I thought to myself, uh, Tapper, talk to myself like that, Taps or Tapper, uh, what right do I have? (laughs) What can I possibly say to an amazing group of people like this? And as I look around this celebration center uh, this morning, here's what I see. I see people with not just years, but for some of you, decades of faithful service to God and God's truth. I, I wish that all of you could have the vantage point that the worship team and myself have right now. Smile for a camera. It's an amazing, amazing picture. You see, people like me don't uh, get to where we are today without people like you who are purposefully supportive and encouraging to us. And can I just take an opportunity to say thank you for that? Earnestly and genuinely. Thank you. Thank you for your loving support. You love your pastors. And, and this week has been a perfect example of that. We've seen that. But church, that support is intended to be shared. It's intended to be shared well beyond these walls, well beyond those doors. And so, friends, in some respects, this message is really brutally simple, and it's very straightforward. God calls you and I to build bridges with people not boundaries it's it's really that that simple our ability however to respond to a message like this (laughs) it's a little bit more complex it's complex because among other things sin has a tendency to reinforce our blindness to the prejudices that we have and to the boundaries that we erect See, the the lurking nature of sin makes it so that we can walk away from a message just like this one, focused more intently on the boundary lines of those other people (laughs) and not on our own. And so as we close, I am afraid that I do not have a list of tricks (laughs) to, to compel you to tear down those boundary lines frankly that I don't believe is for me to determine that's for you and God to determine and so in closing uh I'm going to ask that you take whatever posture that you need to to hear from God whether it's bowing your heads heads up eyes closed eyes open that's totally your call and as a community of people here at Moncton Wesleyan this is what we're praying Eternal God would you speak into our minds this morning? Speak into our hearts And God bring to our attention areas of our lives where we have created distinctions and boundaries and property lines And as you bring faces And relationships and situations to our mind. We're asking you, God, to help us today. And help us this week. To cross those boundaries and tear them down. We thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. We admit and confess this morning that we are prone to blindness. We have blind spots. And so, Triune God, we're asking you today to shine a spotlight into our lives to illuminate those areas in which those boundaries exist. Forgive us, God, for our tendency to create them and expand our hearts for the city of Moncton and beyond. We pray for people in our community that need you, God. People who aren't even here today, people that we'll drive by on our way home this afternoon. You love them. Guide them. Encourage them. And draw them to you. We invite you to use us in that process of encouragement and insight. And thank you for this church. And thank you for its rich heritage of inviting people and creating a sense of belonging. And we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that we might advance this today and into the future. In Jesus' name we pray.